This is Gross Anatomy, where pop culture meets health culture. Let's get to it. seriously oh that's my background exactly i didn't even buy that that's my girlfriend's but it's been um a crowd pleaser on zooms it really is i almost think that should be we should change the whole podcast around it shouldn't be gross anatomy podcast anymore it should now be take your pleasure seriously podcast i tried that and you wouldn't let me rename it so (laughs) i'm getting this on record well maybe if we if we do some magic mushrooms maybe you know who knows what will evolve It's a sly little intro. Who do we have here today? We have Charlotte of Alice Mushrooms. And nice to meet you, Charlotte. I kind of met you, but nice to really meet you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. We're so happy to have you here. How was your week, first of all? We do a little catch up at the beginning. Oh, I love that. Um, My week was good. It was busy. Honestly, (laughs) last weekend, I went and saw Taylor Swift on the Eras Tour in Kansas City. And I've just been recalibrating this past week. It's it's a once in a lifetime show. Wow. Wait, tell me more. Was it amazing? Think, Did you go with a squad? Yeah, I went with, I have no connection to Kansas City other than that one of my best friends from high school lives there now. And she was able to score tickets. And I was like, I'll book a flight from New York to Kansas City for this. Worth <laughs> um, it? It was so worth it. I mean, it's one of those experiences that, you're in a place with 70,000 other people who are just as excited to be there. The music is so powerful. Everyone knows all the words. I mean, the energy is just unbelievable. And I think too, this was the first time I'd done anything in a a really big crowd like that in three years, I guess. I mean, I, I went to a show at MSG last summer, but I mean, that doesn't even compare to how big this is. So there's kind of just that collective energy of a crowd that you kind of didn't realize you missed. And you just randomly went to Kansas City? What? Why? I couldn't get New York tickets. Ticketmaster screwed me over. Uh, <laughs> screwed everyone yeah. over. Yeah. That's amazing. I honestly feel like that's a good place to see Taylor, though. Yeah. You know? it, was, it was, I mean, it was incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. What a week. Wow, I love that catch-up. What about you, Dr. Cohen? You know, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. Not so much her music, but just her. Like, I'm a, you know, as the dad of three girls... You know, I love that she's a girl power person. So I'm I'm just taking in the fact that you went to go see Taylor Swift. I, I don't know if I would want to see her comp. I don't, because I don't know if I know enough of her music, but I, I bet the vibe there is probably amazing. Yeah. What percentage of the audience was young girls? What percent was men? What percent was women? That was a really cool thing about it is... It was age ranges. We sat next to a couple six, seven-year-olds with their mom. And then it was, you know, my friends and we're all between 30 and 35. So you saw every, to see how her power and influence spans across generations and how a seven-year-old is just as moved by her music as a 40-year-old is really cool. Yeah, it was mostly women all wearing sequins and cowboy boots and... Then there was like the token boyfriend sprinkled in throughout. <laughs> Love that. No, no, no old crowd. Like, you know, if you're going to see Elton John where it's all old, old people, right? People my age and older. Kind of- there were some, but yeah, it was definitely probably, I would say skewed like 40 and under. Before we get into the podcast, which, which we need to do. <laughs> we'll do it. Uh, yeah, we, we probably should do that and, and welcome everybody to Gross Anatomy, but is that a real bicycle on your wall? That's that's what I just needed to... to... Yes. My husband and I both have our bicycles mounted on the wall. This is your classic New York City ingenuity where we didn't have place to store our bicycles, so we decided to make them wall art. I love that. They look really cool. I thought it was art. I just was like, that's like a cool old bike frame at first from afar. And now I'm like, that's so functional. That is very yeah. New York of you. Yeah. It's amazing. How often do you pick that? How often do I ride? Honestly, I haven't gotten out this season yet. Um, I used to ride a lot more. I did a couple of years ago. I trained and did this 200 mile ride across Massachusetts, which required me to be on the bike a lot leading up to it. But typically kind of around this time of the year is when I start picking the bike back up. So pretty soon it'll be sure. coming off. The 
truly is art. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give your intro now. Here we go. Well, I have you here. If there's any corrections, just cool. interrupt me. Alice is a female-founded company created by Lindsay Goodstein, a creative director, community builder, and former pharmaceutical executive who has spent years studying mushrooms. And Charlotte Cruz, a food scholar and wellness authority who has built inventive, forward-thinking food brands. The duo spent two years collaborating with homeopathic doctors, formulators, and generational chocolatiers to develop naturally indulgent treats that highlight the power of mushrooms. Welcome. <laughs> I got it. You got it. Nailed I it. I hope I said the names right. I'm always worried about that. You did. It was perfect. Okay. Yes. Um, and then here, this is Dr. Cohen. I know you haven't met him before. He's, I'll, I can let him give his own intro, but he founded this podcast and I'm his recent co-host, Allie. And we're so happy to have you here and welcome to Gross Anatomy. Thank you. And we're, Allie and I are on a journey together. And lately we we did an episode about functional mushrooms and, and that's what kind of inspired, and we're getting inspired even more. In fact, I'm, I'm totally deviating, but my Ali's friend, my, one of her best friends, my daughter, Liat, shout out to Liat. Liat. Is, do, you, do you know about this, Ali? Have you talked about this? Wait, Liat is, get, is getting married in June in Italy. They're in Italy right now. She and my wife on like a last hurrah kind of trip, but they're, they're getting married in Italy next year in June. I hope like friends and family and my do younger daughters aren't listening to this, but, and, and anyone who, who, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't even be saying, but that all of Liat and her friends, Ali, I don't know if you're in on this, are saying that the plan is to be microdosing mushrooms at the wedding. And, you know, this came up a few, you were at our house for dinner that night, right? Or maybe I, not. I, yeah. I think when Aviv was there. Yeah. Right. And that... Yeah. And everybody was getting all excited about it. And I said, okay, I'm in. So, oh, so, it's his, gonna be his first experience. Exactly, exactly. So, so we're, we're I feel like we're on this journey together, and that's it's perfect that we now have uh, Charlotte Cruz here with Alice uh, talking about what they're doing. Amazing! Incredible. I love that. Yeah, we recently did just an overall 101 mushroom episode, just because I wanted to learn more, and Jason. I think hadn't really explored more than what he's seen through, it sounds like his kids, maybe some college experiences. So right. it was a good little background before we had you here and we can ask some last 101 questions. But first, I would love to hear more about you before we dive right into Alice. Where are you from? How did you get to New York? Those things. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. Am I... I have a lot of family in Kentucky. I was born though right outside of DC and lived in the DC area till I was nine and then grew up in Kentucky. So kind of split my time between big city DC, right? And a smaller town in Kentucky. And really, I mean, I loved growing up in Kentucky. It was the culture there is so cool, particularly, I don't know if either of you have ever been to Lexington or Kentucky at all, but Lexington is the horse capital of the world. So that's where all of the horse farms and really big tracks are. And it's also where the bourbon trail is. It's also where University of Kentucky is. So we got the best basketball team, just like a lot of culture and fun. But I, uh, for college, went to University of Virginia. Um, so went back East a little bit. And after that, I moved to DC for a year. I worked in journalism. I actually, my fun fact is that my first job, I was at the NBC bureau in Washington and I was working. Do you guys ever watch the today show? Did you growing up ish? Are you familiar with the segment where it was Willard Scott, who was the original Bozo the clown. He would wish 100 year old centenarians a happy birthday on the smuck and put it on a smuckers jar. So I was, that was my first job out of college was producing that segment. So I screened all of the 100-year-olds. I picked who was going to go on. I wrote the scripts and shot them with Willard. And I was actually his last producer before he retired. So yeah, a funny little fun fact of me about my professional history. And then I moved up to New York because I really wanted to work in more lifestyle. I got to cut you off. I'm ready for my fun fact. Yeah. I didn't know this. When I, one summer, I think, I think in college, I worked at NBC News at Sunrise Really? Uh, which was the show right before the Today Show. Yeah. So my buddies and I would be out at bars and then they'd all yeah. stay at the bar and I'd leave the bar and head to 30 Rock at NBC. And 
I did nothing. I was a dumb, stupid, you know, summer intern, basically eating butter sandwiches the whole time. Oh, yeah. I really did nothing. I would, at one point, I all I would do was run the scripts into the the host with a woman named yeah. Deb Norville, and but I used to see Jane Pauley come in, yeah. you know, in her pajamas, and Al and Al Roker, and and all, and Joe Witty, they'd all show up. So we had a connection. Yeah, I used to run scripts for Morning Joe when they were in the bureau. Also, it's crazy. You literally just literally run in with a script, place it down, don't make eye contact, run out. <laughs> Someone yeah. has to, right? And it's so, five in the morning. <laughs> yeah. What a cool first job. That's such an amazing... Also, yeah. I love UVA because one of my best yeah. friends went there and I visited her and we joked that I studied abroad there because it was like a long college visit. Usually you go for like two nights and I stayed too long and I it's, stayed on the lawn. It was a really fun experience. It's in my opinion, the best place in the world. I would love to end up moving back to Charlottesville at some point in my life. It's beautiful. My husband went there too. That's where we met. We got married in Charlottesville. It's, it's like, it's magic there. So sweet. My major was American studies and I did a focus on popular and visual culture, which meant I took a lot of classes on TV. My, my last year I took a class on the wire and um, gangster film and breaking bad. So that oh, was amazing. Cool. So cool. I was media studies and I feel like a lot of the theses I was writing were like Lena Dunham's Instagram and this show. Yeah. I was like, this is so bizarre. This major is weird, but it's really yeah. fun. It was so fun. I basically like wrote my thesis on The Godfather. <laughs> I love that. I loved it. I think we cut you off a little bit because I want to hear, I think there's going to be some segment here about how do you get from TV and production yeah. to getting to New York and plant medicine. Take us on that trip. Totally. So yeah, I was working in journalism and I just kind of felt like I wasn't able to be creative in the way that I wanted to be. And I really wanted to move to New York. That's where I felt like, you know, I could do what I wanted to do. And the city was just really exciting to me. So I started looking into media jobs that were a little bit more in the creative space. So I ended up creating a niche for myself at digital publishers doing branded content. So basically going in, pitching creative ideas to brand partners for branded content, and then using like my background in production, right, to execute on that. Because a lot of times it was videos or events that we were producing or photo shoots. And I did that for seven years, probably. I was at a small men's publisher called Inside Hook. And then I was at Refinery29 for a little bit. And I got to a place where my last job was in men's and I just was like, I can't come up with another ad campaign to sell a Tag Heuer watch to a Wall Street banker. This is not <laughs> feeding my soul in any way. Um, and I did a bunch of soul searching. I got my yoga teacher training. I just was kind of doing, it's like around the time when I did that long bike ride, I was doing a lot of side quests basically to kind of come back to myself and see what made sense. And ultimately it came down to food because I really wanted to, I had, I had this whole marketing production background and I wanted to use those powers for good. And it just felt like food was calling to me. So I went back and got my master's in food studies at NYU, um, kind of around pandemic timing. And then at that point started working on early stage consumer food brands. What, what does that even mean? A master's in food studies? What yeah. that mean? I learn how to eat. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So NYU was actually the first institution to pioneer this as a line of study. And now it's taught all over the world, but it really kind of came in around the seventies, eighties as an actual thing that you could major or get a master's in. And essentially it's, it's like a food systems perspective. So you go in and you take classes on food policy, on broader food systems, a lot of culture too, food and culture, looking at kind of taking a bird's eye view at how the food system in this country and if you choose the world works and seeing ways that you can fix it. A lot of people took a lot of different tracks with it. I wanted to be more on the systems business side of it, but some people came in as chefs and they were wanting to learn a little bit more about maybe going to food media. That's part of the thing. There are a lot of food journalism specific, uh, food photography. I mean, it was so interdisciplinary within the food space. And so it took people from a ton of different backgrounds, which was cool. Was there an environmental aspect to it too? Yeah, I've studied a lot on regenerative agriculture when I was there and did a, honestly, most of my master's was about regenerative agriculture. That's amazing. How, how, how long is a master's? You do it part-time. So I am still working on it. I probably have a 15 credits left. 
but you can really go at your own pace. Some people do it full time and they're done in a year. Me, it's, it's probably going to be like a six year process for me. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that though. That's amazing. And then super inspiring. I have all these side things too, that I'm always like, how can I find time to yeah. take a class or do a thing? You're making the time. So that's amazing. And yeah. then how did you find, it's clear how you found food and plant medicine, but how'd you find Alice? So I had been working, like I said, on some early stage consumer brands. One that I was working on, we ended up closing the doors to, it just was too expensive to run as a business, you know. Um, It was an on-demand delivery meal kit service in the city. So kind of think like Saqqara meets Blue Apron meets Seamless. So it was a really beautiful concept and I am really proud of what we did. We were sourcing local food, local caught fish and meat and organic local produce. And then we had a ghost kitchen space and we would let people could order like at 6 p.m. Oh, I want the salmon dish tonight. And we would deliver it all the ingredients that you would need ready to go like a meal kit to your door in 30 minutes. So cool. Uh, It was a great concept, but we just executed it poorly by taking up too much overhead at the start. But I mean, you learn so much from the things that don't work out. I think that was honestly one of the best things that could have happened to me because then at that point I got to head on a dress, a fear of failure, right? And pick yourself back up, which I think is something that we all are better after we've handled. And then I just kind of put a lot of energy out that I was looking for my next thing. And strangely enough, my Lindsay, who's my other half at Alice, she was doing the same thing. She had just left a career in pharmaceuticals, really was just not vibing with pharma anymore, was sick of band-aids and not addressing root causes, got really into mushrooms. And she started formulating Alice literally in her kitchen because she wanted to take mushroom supplements, but nothing out there was what she wanted to have. Everything tasted pretty bad. It was hard to consume, really just kind of felt pharma, pharmaceutical. And she wanted to figure out a way at the start that she could take functional mushrooms in a way that was delicious for her, right? Um, So she had started formulating in her kitchen with a homeopathic doctor and trying to figure it out. And she started looking for for a partner and we both happened to reach out to the same person who put us on a text. And it's funny because Lindsay works in, or Lindsay lives in LA and I live in New York. And so we met, you know, we got introed on a group text, got on a phone call, had a few phone calls, not even a Zoom. We never saw each other face to face and lived on opposite sides of the country and decided to start working together. And we didn't meet in person for like three months. And I think that's the most pandemic story in the world. (laughs) It is. It really is. That's amazing though. That was like total manifestation. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it worked out so perfectly with my background in food and media and hers in pharma. I think we instantly just felt something just even over the phone that this was going to be a good pairing. You totally didn't know each other, right? No, no clue. I couldn't even find her on Instagram. I was like, who is this girl? I've never even seen her face. We never zoomed. I can't find her on the internet. But I had like something in my gut was just telling me, keep talking, like keep pushing this forward because it it could be something really special. But so mysterious. Now I need to try to find her on Instagram later. Now you can. I think I was searching the wrong thing. Like she never left me on there. I was too hard to ask. Like, what's your Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I hate to say, yeah. I hate to be like, what's your last name? It's such a weird. Had you already been interested in mushrooms before you met her? Or were you, did she kind of intro you? She definitely had a stronger background in mushrooms, but I was still really interested in that entire space. I mean, like I said, I'd been studying food. I did my yoga teacher training. Holistic health and wellness has always been something I've been really passionate about. And it was right about that time that I was starting to get pretty into mushrooms. But Lindsay helped because she was further down that path than I was. And she helped me catch up to her. That's amazing. And then how did you fully lean into Alice? Were you scared after your first, both of you had It sounds like businesses that didn't take off. That is, of course, probably scary, especially because you sound, it was a few years ago, so you're pretty young, you know? How did you, any advice for leaning into that second thing or taking that second leap? I think, honestly, after it happens the first time, it kind of takes the sting out. I think the thing that I was so scared of, it had already happened and I was okay. And that taught me, okay, you're going to be okay. You can take these risks and you'll be okay. So it wasn't as scary to take that leap again, if that makes sense. But I also, you know, I leveraged myself while I, while we were building Alice, cause we worked together for over a year before we brought the product to market. And, you know, I can't live 
on you need to pay yourself somehow. So I did consulting on the side with, with other early stage brands, which actually ended up being super helpful for us because right. I particularly was working on this company called TBH, which is a celebrity founded alternative to Nutella. And I worked on growth with them through year one while we were building Alice. And when Alice launched, I went Alice full time, but it was cool because I was able to see a really high growth, early stage consumer brand all the way from launch through year one and then start the same thing over for Alice and take all of my learnings from that that had been so recent. And I think that has been one of the things that's been really helpful for us, honestly. Oh, wow. I'm just looking up TBH and it looks amazing. Now I need it. I just got really curious. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you watch Stranger Things, but it's Noah Schnapp who plays Will on Stranger Things. It's his brand. That's awesome. I love him. And I love that show. He's so cute. How was was starting a business on two separate ends of the country? How, How did that work? Honestly, so seamlessly. I think it's really now with how everything is Zoom and everything is just digital, like we kind of didn't really even notice it. I think I forget that Lindsay doesn't live here, you know, and we see each other so much too. Well, we manufacture in Colorado. So whenever we have a production run, we're both flying to Colorado and there together for a week. And Lindsay loves New York. I love LA. She has a two bedroom spot in LA. And so I'll go out there for weeks at a time. And we literally live together, work together, hang out together on the weekend. It's, I feel so lucky to have found a best friend and a business partner too. And that like, I lived with her for six weeks this spring because we got an ice cream truck in LA that we drove around all of Southern California, basically everywhere from Venice to downtown LA to Coachella. And that ice cream truck was a two woman job. So I flew out and lived we bunked in together in venice for six weeks and it was so fun that's awesome yeah i saw you guys were at coachella were you with poosh is that right yeah we took the truck to camp poosh on the saturday of weekend one and then uh revolve fest on the sunday of weekend one so cool and for anyone who doesn't know what poosh is it's um courtney kardashian's <laughs> brand. yeah but also probably people listening um, it's yeah. courtney kardashian's brand it, it's I hesitate to say similar to Goop, but it is similar to yeah. Goop in that it focuses on wellness brands that um, are kind of like Kourtney Kardashian accepted. With that seal of approval, we're like, okay, if she's already vetted this thing, we know it's good, it's quality, it's clean, all the things that you kind of trust this head of this company to to find. So it's a big deal that you guys did that. That's so cool. That must've been really fun. Did you guys meet was- really fun people there? It was a total pinch me moment. We couldn't believe that they invited us. Yeah. I mean, you're walking around. It's just, you're like, I think I know that person from the internet. You know, there's a lot of kind of double takes that you're doing. They were filming, keeping up with the Kardashians there too, which was cool to see. I actually, I've never seen an episode of keeping up with the Kardashians. I'm kind of not, I'm I'm not against or anything. I just haven't seen it. So I was like watching from the side, like, "This this is cool. But yeah, I mean, it was... It was really fun. It was a, a real moment in time for us, I think, because we it was early on while we had this truck. We literally rented this truck from a guy in Long Beach who just had some ice cream trucks sitting around, you know, so that's his vibe. And it's a 1969 Chevy ice cream truck. The gas gauge, there's no gas gauge. There's no windshield wipers. There's no speedometer. There's no rear view mirrors. And you're just kind of rolling with it. We got real close with the AAA people in Venice, you know, and one night I had to drive it back from downtown LA in the rain and I had to pull over every block to wipe the windshield down. Oh my God. (laughs) It didn't lock. There were no locks. I mean, it was, yeah. And it was so, and it just, it felt so surreal for us to be in this truck and we, we really decked it out. It looked so good like so much blood sweat and tears went into that Lindsay's dad flew down from Sacramento to help trick it out and for us to be able to take that to Coachella was just unbelievable that's so cool do you have videos and and did you document that whole thing did you oh yeah yeah, sounds like that's a documentary yeah (laughs) I know I wish we had more videos of kind of all the stuff that went awry with the truck we really we did the highlights but we didn't take you need to I'm like hanging out of the side door on the freeway being like, can we merge lanes? <laughs> yeah, you need movie. that BTS. Yeah. Yeah. It is a movie. 
you guys can probably watch it on Kardashians. You guys pulling in. We had to sign a release. So we'll see. Mm. Maybe it will pop up on there in this new season. But I don't know. That's the best marketing you could ask for. Right? (laughs) Okay, so I want to dive a little deeper into Alice and what you guys do and offer as well. So when I read an amazing article, but also... Jason and I were talking about the three groups of mushrooms and their categorization, like just in general. And then where does Alice fall in those as well? Like, can we chat about those? Yeah, totally. So if you're thinking about the same three groups that I am, right, I think I group mushrooms into culinary, functional, and psychedelic, right? With psychedelics being on one side, culinary being on the other side, and functional sitting somewhere in the middle. So the way that we think about it, and I think the way that resonates with a lot of people is that... Obviously, psychedelics are a a totally different class. They contain a compound called psilocybin, which can induce a psychedelic experience when ingested. On the other side, right, culinary. Before we get into that, have you done this? Yeah, of course. Okay, I I haven't yet. That's you haven't. No, that's all. That's why I'm excited. That's that's where this journey is. But he will at the wedding. He will at the wedding. At the wedding, but I hope my kids aren't listening. No, but my other. You gotta do it before the wedding, so you kind of know what your what your speed is. (laughs) That's a good, really good point. Maybe yeah. Actually, I pitched it to all my, I'm interrupting you. I pitched it to all my buddies. You know, we do this annual trip to to Aspen. One of my friends has a house. And I'm like, guys, we should all do this, you know, uh, mushroom trip or whatever it is. What, what do you call it? A, um, a vision quest thing. Yeah. And they, they all just laughed at me. None, none of them even took, and I was dead serious, but none of them, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'll try again. Yeah. Jason, you have, I was going to say, he has this beautiful backyard. I'm like, just take a little nibble and sit in your gorgeous backyard and put some music on. He's a pool. Just sit back there. You don't need to have a whole shebang. I think you'd feel really comfortable just you and Bernice back there. I maybe next weekend. Oh, perfect. (laughs) I think the thing that sometimes people get a little overwhelmed about with psychedelics, and I definitely, you know, I didn't, I've never been someone who's really experimented with mind altering. I was pretty vanilla in terms of like, I like alcohol and I've smoked cannabis in college, you know, but nothing else really. And I was so scared and kind of brainwash that I would take a psychedelic substance and then jump out of my window, right? My brain would be broken forever. And I think there's a lot of unlearning that needs to be done with a lot of people that have been, I mean, it really started right with the war on drugs, which just I have a lot of thoughts on that, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. my mom is still, she grew up in that era and she is like, I could never, you'd have to take me to the psych ward if I did a hallucinogen, right? And there's so much knowledge that needs to be given because there's something that we're really passionate about at Alice because our goal long-term is to be the first psychedelic mushroom chocolate on the market once legalization turns that way. But we want to, like the niche that we really want to carve out is that psychedelics can just be fun, right? They're so healing and they're incredible for people who are struggling with anxiety, depression, PTSD. If you take a large amount, if you take a really small amount on a daily basis or, you know, three days on two days off your traditional microdose, that's really helpful for a lot of people's anxiety, depression on a sub perceptual level, right? Almost works like your classic antidepressant. But what we think is kind of not spoken about. And I think because of a fear of stigma is They can also just be fun if you take a dose somewhere in the middle of your hero's dose and your micro dose, right? It's so hard for people to accept something that's like, just because it brings you joy, it has to cure something, right? So that's something that we're really passionate about. And I bring this up just because you could take just, you know, a little more than a micro dose and you'll just have a nice time sitting in your yard, giggling, you know, you're not going to see anything. It's not going to feel overwhelming. You're just going to kind of laugh a bit more. And things are going to just feel more interesting. I love that. That's a good. <laughs> no, that's a good speech. I was. I, I had a question in here somewhere written down about what do you say to people who are nervous to start even with Alice, and that's a good reminder that the functional mushrooms, while they don't aren't don't contain psilocybin, it's still a good reminder that if you do want to try that, that it's okay, and that there is a middle ground. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like getting back to these buckets of mushrooms, you have functional that sit in the middle category because they have a lot of the nutritional benefits 
of culinary mushrooms, but they have much more medicinal benefits that you can't get in your classic culinary mushrooms, but they don't have psilocybin, so they can't induce a trip. They are able to change the way that your brain and your body work, but not in a psychedelic experience. And we think functional mushrooms are incredibly special. I mean, they've been used in healing and traditional Chinese medicine for thousands of years, and there's so many just astounding things they can do, right? From lion's mane, literally being able to regrow your brain to cordyceps, improving your blood oxygen levels to reishi, helping you with stress and detoxification and immunity, right? But by exposing people to the benefits of functional mushrooms, we think that that not only, you know, speaks for the functional mushrooms, but then opens up a little more space for people to ask questions about psychedelic mushrooms. Just opens that door a little bit more. I'm gonna play play devil's advocate for a minute. Why do we need functional mushroom supplements? Why not just cook with lion's mane or cook with reishi mushrooms or or cordyceps I have no experience, but but lion's mane I've been cooking with lately and and things like that. So talk to me. Lion's mane's delicious, definitely cook with it. Most of the other ones, reishi is like a block of wood, basically. Like uh-huh. I have it in my house and like I could bang it and it's like, literally sounds like banging on wood. The only time I've ever had reishi in a culinary sense was when it literally was dust on top of a noodle dish. But they, they don't taste good and they're not easy to eat aside from lion's mane. So that's one point. But then the second point being, if you're, if you're eating lion's mane, you're getting all of the culinary nutrients that you would typically get but you're not having enough lion's mane to be a daily medicinal dose. We use a medicinal dose in our chocolates and we're able to get that because we take a ton of lion's mane and then extract it. So you're able to get, you know, in a thumb's worth of powder of lion's mane extraction, 30 times that in actual lion's mane. Another thing is that for functional mushrooms to work, you need to take them daily. So functional mushrooms, they don't work instantly. It's not like a psychedelic in that regard. And I think that's another really key point for people to understand. You have to take a medicinal dose of whatever mushroom that you're taking every day for about two to three weeks to allow the nutrients time to compound in your body and take effect. So like if I were to take a dose of lion's mane right now, I'm not going to feel sharper immediately. I would need to do that for about three weeks and then I'll start noticing these benefits. That's a great answer. That is yeah. a great so answer. So if you cook with like four pounds of lion's mane a day and eat that, I'm all for it. <laughs> do it, do it, Dr. Cohen. I'd love to watch him execute that. <laughs> Actually, I, I came up with a very good, I don't think I can, I was kind of looking, a really good kind of like fake scallopsy kind of tasting dish with lion's mane. I, I made a couple of weeks in a row. It's very tasty. It's There's incredible, so- the seafood imitation. I was just yeah. going to say the same thing. There's direct oyster mushrooms. I'll, I'll do that and swap it into a pasta dish with all the same ingredients minus whatever seafood I usually add in there. And it's so, so good. And the scallops where they'll cut, I think it's king trumpet, sear yeah. them like a scallop. It's so beautiful and so impressive. Incredible. So if I eat those mushrooms daily, will I will I get any of those health um, benefits? Or you really might- eat supplements? Well, it'd be hard. You'd have to eat a lot. It's kind of like how, I don't know if this is the, the right way to explain this, but because our bodies are able to digest things, you know how apes, they have to eat all day long because their bodies, their stomachs can't digest in the way that we can because they don't cook. So they're eating all day long so that they can have enough nutrients. Whereas like, because we can cook food and process it, then it takes the weight off of our bodies. I think the reason I'm thinking about this is you would have to eat mushrooms like an ape all day long <laughs> to get the medicinal benefits, whereas we're able to do the processing and the extraction and distilling them down to the core nutrients and compounds that you need to get those benefits. That's such a fun so answer. <laughs> yeah. So what do you take? Do you take something every day? Yeah. Yeah. I take our brainstorm chocolate every day. Just um, have that there, right? I have them everywhere. I mean, this apart- my apartment is a warehouse. Lindsay's house is a warehouse. But yeah, I take our brainstorm every day and I take one square of that. It has, so I think kind of the magic, right, of how we formulated is functional mushrooms. Like I've been saying, they don't work instantly, but we really wanted something with instant gratification because we felt like one, that's what we want. That's what most people want. And two, we were seeing 
in ourselves and in others, people buying a mushroom supplement, it doesn't taste very good. It's kind of a pain to mix the powder and do the whatever. They try it for three days. They don't feel anything. They're gone. And we're like, how do we keep people, you know, coming back? And the, the answer was one, chocolate, and two, instant gratification. So we formulated our mushrooms alongside nootropics and other herbal supplements that do work right away. So our brainstorm chocolate has lines made in cordyceps, but also guarana, which is a caffeinated berry that has natural caffeine in it. I personally can't have coffee caffeine. I can only kind of do like teas. And this feels really good and not scary. Like I get when I drink coffee. Um, and it also has a fatty acid called phosphatidylserine, which is, um, incredible for brain health and cognition. I can only take one brainstorm square a day because of my caffeine sensitivity. I've done two. And when I do two, I'm like, all right, I'm a little, I'm a little wired. And then for nightcap, we have reishi mushroom, but then also magnesium, zinc, chamomile, and L-theanine. And the dose is one square, but I'm a troubled sleeper. So I'll do two sometimes. That's awesome. I'm, I'm similar with caffeine, so I can relate. I want to try that now. They're so great. And we love them too. We're just seeing them used in so many different scenarios, right? A lot of people love it in the morning, right before breakfast with their coffee. A lot of people like to sub their second or third coffee of the day with brainstorm after lunch to get through the slump. And then people love them in social settings. I also mm. love them in social settings. Whenever we have events, we have brainstorm out on trays for people to try because it's this really nice, smooth boost of energy when you're at a party that, you know, you feel engaged, you feel really present, you don't feel jittery. And a lot of people are turning to it as an alternative to alcohol or different stimulants that they would be using at any time of day. And they're chocolates? What what are, are they candies or chocolate? What are they? Yeah. They are chocolate. So I know not everyone will be able to see this, but this is half of a bar. So they're oh. little squares of chocolate that are about the size of your thumb, right? And they taste really good. That's one of the reasons we worked on it for two years before we came to market, because making these functional mushrooms taste good is no small feat. <laughs> so we worked on, you know, kind of taking the Goldilocks approach between what worked and what tasted good and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. I have a question about your formulation there. I, I think because mushrooms in all forms have been mostly recreational previously, yeah. it's hard to have that science of how to measure it. So it sounds like you guys brought people in, but how did you tackle like the dosage and the measurements in the yeah. squares and making sure that that felt right? Yeah. So we, there is a lot of research about what is considered a medicinal dose of functional mushrooms. So we had that knowledge in our back pocket and we, you know, Lindsay brought on a homeopathic doctor in the beginning who was working alongside her in the kitchen. And he really knew how to pick people up and put people down, but didn't understand flavor and taste and chocolate. And then we brought on a team of professional formulators who are biochemists, doctors, and they helped us tweak and put a lot of, you know, science-backed data behind what this homeopathic doctor had kind of set up a little bit in the beginning and helped us hone in a little bit more on what is and isn't an efficacious dose of a certain ingredient. And then, you know, we took it a little more in trial and error ourselves. And then once we felt like we had the feeling down and the taste was, you know, not fully there, but close, we took it to our chocolatiers who are manufacturers. And so we flew out to Colorado and spent a week in the chocolate factory, making different test batches and tweaking, you know, this amount of cocoa butter to this ratio of dark chocolate to coconut oil to, you know, getting that texture flavor consistency down to a good spot. And I think too, so much of it lies in the magic of sourcing, because like I was talking about a little bit earlier, a medicinal dose of something might be a thousand milligrams, which is one gram. We're working with five gram bites of chocolate. So if we're putting three things in there that are all a thousand, three grams, this is going to taste pretty bad. And it's just going to be powdered chocolate. You know, it's going to be terrible. So that's when we started to do a lot of learning ourselves and figure out how to find people who were creating really high potency, really pure and really clean extractions so that we could get 1200 milligram dose of reishi in actually way less actual milligram powder, right? And that really unlocked a lot of things for us once we found that sourcing that was so pure and potent that we could distill it down. What a process. 
Yeah, it's a Goldilocks approach. Yeah, a couple of questions about that is, one, do you guys have a vegan option? Yeah, all of our chocolates are vegan. Oh, nice, nice. Dairy-free, gluten-free, vegan, kosher. We're not USDA organic certified, but we use USDA organic certified ingredients. We just haven't filed for it because it's a whole process. And yeah, yeah we're a lean team and it costs a lot of money to get certified. And so that'll come, but for now we're just- Do you have to get any sort of like FDA, anything like uh, that? Or no? Not that we have to file for ourselves. You know, we're working our chocolatiers, they're a professional manufacturers. They have all of the standards already applied there. So kind of everything goes through our facility. Like we're not, you, to create a functional mushroom product, you don't need to have FDA trials. You just need to produce it in a way that complies with food standards and safety guidelines. How do you find your chocolate here? A lot of cold calls. <laughs> we, we, we knew we wanted to be in Colorado so that we would be a plug and play situation because psychedelic legalization is moving quickly there. So we really wanted to find someone there and we just called every chocolate factory in Colorado. Wow. And what do you do for diabetics? Um, you know, that isn't something that we have really dealt with at this point. I will say that our chocolate, it's only, it's one gram of organic cane sugar per square. So if you're taking one dose, it is pretty low sugar. And we found that it hasn't really been something that we've come across yet in our customer experience. Right. How many calories is a square? 20 calories. Uh, so not, not too bad. Yeah, 20 calories, one gram of organic cane sugar, less than a gram of carbs. The doctor here grilling, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and so it sounds like the end game is hallucinogenics, eh? Yeah, I mean, I think it's multi-pronged. We are seeing so much traction with the functional business, and we really want to dig our heels into functional. It's just such an incredible space to be in. We have so many ideas for more products, some that are already in formulation, some that we'll start formulating in a year. So we see the functional business growing pretty rapidly and being a mainstay. I think as psychedelics get legalized, we want to be the first people there, but that isn't like our business isn't going to just pivot to that. You know, it would be a, it would be an extension of our current product line. But that brings a really cool community. What you have going on is even before the psilocybin is offered that the people who are interested in functional mushrooms, I think that that's broadening and you guys probably meet really wonderful people through the events you do and such, right? Yeah. And it's cool because, you know, if you look at our branding and how we talk about functional mushrooms, it's not in the way that we felt a lot of other functional mushroom brands were doing it, which is a little bit like barefoot. I have a kombucha mother brewing in my basement and, you know, I, we just felt like it was a little hippie and not, I mean, like, I love that, but we just felt like it was isolating some consumers, particularly people who are potentially mycophiles or mycophobics, and they're scared of, you know, they see the word mushroom and they immediately kind of take a step back. So we wanted to make something that felt really accessible, really approachable, you know, put it in a medium that people already love, chocolate, make the branding really clean, feel a little bit more modern so that we could bring people in who'd never heard of a functional mushroom before. All of these other brands are doing a great job, I think, with people who already understand what functional mushrooms are and are really into that. But we were kind of looking at how can we bring new people into the fold and educate new consumers? So that's really a big part of this for us. And I think why we're also so passionate about weaving in psychedelic advocacy there as well, because as we're able to change other people's perspectives, then they're going to be a little bit more open to other conversations. Is your product just internet uh, purchasing or, or you do hope to be at Whole Foods, Erewhon, at MedMen? What do you think? Yeah, we, um, I think we're probably 90% direct to consumer, but you know, since we launched in October, so it's been nine months as a business, we're already in about 50 boutiques nationwide, kind of in cool coffee shops or clothing stores or wellness markets. And we 
just got into Erwan. So we'll be in Erwan this fall, which we're excited about. We're in Urban Outfitters. We're in Pop-Up Grocer in New York, and they just brought us into eight Nordstrom locations. So retail is really picking up. Um, wow. You know, we're about to launch on Amazon. We really do. D2C is incredible, and we love that one-to-one relationship with our customer. But retail is very much on the brain. I can't wait to go to Erwan and get Alice. That's Same. the top of my list. <laughs> I'm so excited. That's right. I know you're probably more excited than me, but I'm excited. Another excuse for me to move to LA for a month again. Yeah, come to LA. I'm very close to Venice. So I'd love to come come say hi and we can go to Erwan and buy some Alice and yeah. have one square because we're both caffeine sensitive. Exactly. <laughs> It'll be a wild time. We usually wrap here with asking about what you're consuming right now outside of food and your amazing functional mushrooms, what you're consuming media-wise. So whether that's a podcast, a book, any shows you're watching, movies that have caught your eye. Yeah, I, um, well, listening to, I can only listen to Taylor Swift. It's just a repeat of every song rolling through my head constantly. But I'm reading right now, actually, Merlin Sheldrake's book, about mushrooms it's been getting a lot of write-ups lately um it's called it's called entangled life it's really good and it's just a cool history of basically the entire fungal kingdom and you know it does talk a little bit about psychedelics but it also talks he talks a lot about just how mycelium and how different mushrooms and fungi work and how that happens and just kind of fungi are so crazy there's no they operate one consciousness is everywhere inside of them. There's not one brain, right? They're multi-nucleus. And so one, and they spring out and they can span, you know, miles and miles and miles and all know the same thing. And they're so intelligent. So that's been what I've really been loving. TV wise, I just binged Yellow Jackets. Have you guys watched Yellow Jackets? I start, I think I started the part of the first episode. It got a little scary and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to revisit this. Yeah. It's so scary. Yeah. I'm going to come back. Yeah. I loved it. It's funny. My middle daughter is watching it. So she was just watching it the other night as I was cooking. So I was kind of watching it with her. It's a freaky show. Scary. (laughs) Yeah. But it's good. Right. I mean, everyone, we need to pivot. It's not just scary. It's great. People keep watching it. And I've heard so many good things. My husband and I, for the last three months, have been rewatching The Sopranos. Rewatching for me, it's his first time. But we took a two week break from Sopranos because we couldn't put Yellow Jackets down. <laughs> like we just had to binge both seasons. Wait a minute. It's your second time, but his first? Yeah. Can you believe that? You're way ahead of him, eh? Yeah. You're enlightened, and he's, and he's, what's wrong with him? I know. I mean, he's loving it now. I, I've showed him, I've showed him the good word. <laughs> He's excited. That's amazing. That's amazing that you're rewatching Sopranos and watching it. That's so cool. Did you watch The Last of Us? Oh, yeah. Big time. You know, Cordyceps. Got to give it a shout out. Yeah, I was going to say. What are your thoughts on it? Does, do, are, are you getting a lot of people worried and scared and naysayers and things like that? What I'll say is it's great for SEO because everyone's Googling Cordyceps and guess what comes up? Oh, I love that. Very true. Um, but no, I think people understand that it's fiction, right? Or science fiction, rather. I mean, it's it's also a cool way to educate people that cordyceps actually do that to ants in the wild. And I, the section I was reading in Entangled Life actually last night before I went to bed was about the species of cordyceps that colonizes these ants and literally takes over them. Like the ants make different decisions and go different places because the cordyceps is inside them making decisions for them. Oh my God. Um, so it's a real thing. It's just, yeah, it was- it like, this is actually a horror movie, what we're watching and, and you're, you're the body snatchers and you're taking over the world, right? Oh, oh God. <laughs> we're getting too meta right now. I'm like, yeah, too many universes. Jason, exactly. Jason, what are you watching or listening to right now? Well, my wife and I just watched what that documentary about mushrooms. Uh, I'm blanking. Interesting fungi. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little. It's a little like I'm a big mushroom fan, but it's it's a little weird, right? You know, when you when you look at it that way, it's it's also kind of cool, like Avatar a little bit. Yeah. Right? The whole Avatar thing, which is a, which is a cool aspect to it, but it's a it's an interesting thing. 
Yeah. It really, the more you learn about fungi, the more I think your perspective on the world shifts a little bit and just how interconnected things really are. Fungi used to rule the world, you know, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of years ago, the all land on earth was colonized by fungi that were like 20, 30 feet tall. And there was no plant life or animal life. I mean, they've been here forever. Yeah. And with the way that we've co-evolved with them is just insane. Do you guys have any desire or goal to uh, grow your own, to to have all all, uh, verticals, the source of the fungi too? I mean, that would be awesome. We joke all the time about wanting to open our own chocolate factory. We, I will say that is a whole can of worms to open just in terms of what our business would have to be much larger. You know, I'd love maybe in 10 years for us to have that, but we also we're obsessed with our mushroom supplier. Um, it's this woman she's based in Utah slash Colorado. And she basically patented this incredible extraction method that, um, she now has a network of farms under her producing and extracting according to that. And like, that's why our mushrooms are so pure and potent. That's really cool. I have this fantasy of having a truffle farm. That's kind of a fantasy of mine. So awesome. uh, yeah, it's hard to cultivate truffle though. They kind of have to grow. Like, would you go to Italy and just buy a piece of land and have truffle dogs on it? Or would you try and cultivate them? There are potential places in California that are that are okay for trucking Temecula, maybe. I know there are people now trying to do that. So I started a year or two ago, I started doing some research on it, but I've I've since, you know, lost momentum. Yeah. yeah. You should pick that back up. That'd be so cool. I know. I know. The problem is it takes years to to cultivate those those uh, truffles and then you don't even know, and then you need the special the pigs or the dog. I mean, it's a whole thing. They're hard. I, they're, I mean, they're incredibly hard to cultivate, which is, you know, why they're so valuable. People, will, you know, you'll, someone will buy a strain and they'll inoculate in their substrate and just nothing happens. And then other times you get a ton of them. Like it's, it's just not a reliable line of business, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Where can, oh. so, so where can someone find Alice if they want to, what's your website? We are www.alicemushrooms.com and we're on Instagram at, at alice.mushrooms. Uh, but that account gets taken down sometimes because I looked. like thinks that we're psychedelic. I think they have a mm. flag on the word mushroom. It's a whole rigmarole. I think we got it sorted now, but we also have a backup account that we kind of use as like a funny kind of like meme account that's mushrooms.alice. So those are the places you can find us on the internet. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been so good to learn more about what you guys are doing, but also just what's to come with mushrooms. I could ask you a thousand more questions, but we've taken max amount of time. So I'm going to let you go do your Saturday. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. This was great. Thank you so much. We'd love, if you're in LA, we'd love, we'd love to meet you. This is pretty, yeah, really amazing. I'll be out in September staying with Lindsay. So maybe the four of us can all do something. That would be so that would, fun. That would be amazing. Awesome. Thanks. Well, everybody do their Saturday things now. I'm going to go on yeah. a road trip. You guys go do your bike rides and whatever. Where are you <laughs> yes. going? I'm going to Laguna just for a night. Fun. With Savannah, Jason, actually, with one of our uh-huh. friends. Yeah. She's our lawyer. She's our new lawyer. We're so proud of her. If you need one, if you need one, let us know. Always need a good lawyer. (laughs) I know, exactly. Okay, you guys, thanks so much. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye, Gross Anatomy. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. As a reminder, Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. 